All right, and we're back. Appreciate everybody. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> Told you. <laughs> Here we go with uh, we got everything fixed as far as the volume issues we were having, and we are live. So we're gonna go back to Coy in case people didn't catch the introduction. I'll go ahead and introduce yourself, Miss Coy Kindred. Round two. Round okay, two. and we're Round back. Two. We're back. Let's go. For anyone who missed it, my name is Koi Kindred. I'm a multi-passionate entrepreneur. You can find me online at KoiKindred.com, and I'm so excited to be here today. Good, I'm good. To have you. We appreciate you coming. Even yes. you know, forgive the production failures, but hey, we're gonna make it through this thing. Miss David, how are you? I am well. I am happy and grateful. Everything is going my way. I'm good. so excited about that. Yes, good. yes. Great, great, great. Anything new and improved? Man, you know, the stock class is coming up, so super excited about that. Being right. able to sit down. I've actually done a few of them here at the office with a couple of people. And the response I'm getting is just like so much enthusiasm. They like legit hype. And I was like, oh man, I'm gonna go ahead and buy me this little weed stock. And I'm, so whatever, you know, it's really cool to see people to get excited about playing with money again. So right. that always makes me uh, feel a little bit better about what I do. Because you're the money lady. Money, 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 <laughs> money, 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 money. CT, yeah. what's going on? What's going on, sir? Hey, hey, hey. How's everybody doing, man? Uh, good to see y'all again. Uh, just you know, get to it, working, uh, ready to do this great show. Glad we got our guest here. I think we're about to have a good, interesting show with some good topics and good conversation. So, all right, feeling good? Everything new and improved? Tell me uh, something good. Uh, you know, we uh, Red Five Crew, gang gang. Uh, we are uh, actually doing some work with a local restaurant here in town. About to do some filming and different stuff with them. Branching out a little bit out of the music video world into, you know, doing videography, you know, for um, these restaurants, you know, trying to do some other things to stir up some some noise out here. Good deal, good deal. We wish y'all all the best. Well, my name is Brantley Taylor, and I'm very excited to be here. Excited about this show. We got some, some great topics. Um, first, we're going to go into... Um, Talking to Koi a little bit about her background. So, primarily, I know you have a lot of things going on, but what's your primary, like, what's your wheelhouse? What's the thing you do professionally? To make money. Yes. <laughs> what makes money is web design. Right. Web design and uh, blog building. Right. So, and your your blog um, is specifically tailored towards a certain demographic, correct? Yes. Can we go into a little bit of that? Sure. The Money Stretch Mom is focused on women like me that have children, oh, have a God. lot going on, and still want to reach that next level and have an entrepreneurial spirit to, to do more. Okay. Okay. And um, specifically, like, going into, um, you know, development, now, is that you build from the ground up, you enhance, like, do you do all parts of, I guess, web design or... Yeah, so I started um, with computers back in high school. So I learned um, coding, JavaScript, all the CSS, all of that. Um, so I have kind of the UX user experience, the coding side. Uh, but what people primarily come to me for is for front-end development, which means I can take any template, customize it, and make it look like exactly what they want. And it's going to create the presence that matches their personality. Nice, very nice. So you've actually incorporated it. That's your passion. Yeah. And see, that's a rare thing that people don't get to do their passion. So it's awesome having you. Uh, a little bit about um, online presence. We were talking a little bit off air. And uh, if you could just share with some of the business owners out there and with us as well, mm -hmm. what are some of the things you see that can help people? And what are some, some of the things you see that kind of hurt people? as far as online presence. Right. Um, so when I think about online presence, I think three things come to mind, and that's usually your visibility, your credibility, and how easy you are to refer. And that is all directly connected to whether or not your business is going to grow. If I find you easily, I'm more likely to book you. But if somebody drops your name and I go to Google you and I can't find a website, I can't find a social media profile, I might just give up and say, this is not worth it. How can they create something for me if they haven't established themselves as a brand? Mm, or, smart, smart, um, very smart. So that's usually the approach that I take. Okay. So do you offer um, 
any kind of consulting or do you just throw things out and whatever the customer wants, that's what you give them? Or like, I guess a, a typical, you know, someone taking on your services, mm -hmm. is it, you know, even if it's a bad idea, you go ahead and do it or you try to coach them <laughs> through it? Or, I mean, that's... No, <laughs> no, we don't want to take bad ideas. Right. Um, I think one of the things about me is that um, I do have a tar target audience, and so the people that I work with are usually in alignment with where I am um, business-wise, and so um, I get to know the people that I work with. I don't just, just because, and that's what well, we talked about that earlier, it's about knowing when to say no. Everybody's not the right fit for everyone, and right. so every project that comes to me, that doesn't mean that we're going to work together. It could mean that I refer you to someone who's in that industry or, you know, has the experience that's going to match what you're looking for. But what I typically do is take time to research the individual. I look at what they already have out there so I can get a sense of the tone of voice that they use, the way they speak to their audience, the level of service that they're providing. And then I take all of their ideas and I kind of give them um, a first template that just shows, like, this is what I'm thinking about and mm -hmm. see how they respond to it. And then we kind of build from there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you do, in, in sense... Even though it's a business arrangement, you do provide, I guess, input from a consumer's perspective. Like, you know, okay, if I were looking to do this, these are things I would look for. And now, the, are these things you learned over time, or was there particular stores you pulled these things from? or It's a little bit of both. I think I've had time to watch and see what works, what doesn't work. What just, Sometimes it's just what feels right and what looks right, what's aesthetically pleasing. And so, yes, part of it, you know, there's some education that I have that goes into what is fundamentally a thing that you have to do for something to work. And then some of it's really just about their style and personality. What is right for one business is not necessarily what's right for another. So I do look at their competitors. I do look at what they've already done and try to take all of that into account. Okay. CT, David, any questions? Absolutely. So in respect for a new business owner, trying to come up with a strategy of what they want to be in their website. What recommendations or what ideas, kind of like a template of things they need to almost come to you to the table with? I think the number one thing is knowing they are as a brand. Mm -hmm. Like what do you actually want to say to people? If they come to your website, when they leave it, what's the one thing that they should walk away with? Whether Perfect. that's connecting with you as an individual and knowing what you're about and what your personality is and that's the way that you're selling, or is it a product that you're trying to push and that's at the top of the page and we know that that's what you're trying to get them um, to take advantage of? Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well, honestly, I'm just soaking in the knowledge. <laughs> okay. I'm listening to what she's saying. Uh, got a good head on your shoulders and giving out the right information so um as far as it goes with uh the web design are you finding it pretty steady as far as the people that are coming to you do you look to have people just reach out to you asking questions or are they coming at you for the services or yeah i would say my number one source for clients is word of mouth period mm -hmm. is your reputation is a hundred percent what's going to get you to continue to have business rolling in mm -hmm. because i can go out there and pay for facebook ads and instagram ads and i can push a million leads into my funnel mm -hmm. but if at the end of the day i'm not going to actually be able to provide <laughs> the service on the level that they need or they're not a good fit then it wasn't worth all of the processes to, right. for them to go through that in the beginning so i would definitely say i think nurturing the clients that you already have exceeding mm -hmm. their expectations and making sure those are the mouthpieces for your business period so. right whether it be good or bad mm -hmm. they can you know be an instrument to help your business grow or fall apart appreciate that so can you expand a little bit more i mean i know it it sounds very simple but like you know what all plays into where you see low or no visibility is it just not being on a certain platform is it the consistency or is it a combination of things or yeah and so i think there's not a one size fits all i think it very much depends on whether you're selling a product or if you have a service-based business um what what platform you're going to want to be on um, for me, I've kind of decided to just focus on one platform. I focus on one individual type of client that I'm wanting to serve the most. And I kind of 
focus all of my energy on that and anything extra that comes along I kind of see if it's a match and then I can move forward with that um, but I stay kind of narrow focused and so what I see a lot of people do is they try to be on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and have a website and have a blog and have a podcast and none of those things are consistent none of those things are sometimes matching each other as far as style I'll see people with a different profile picture on their social media and they have one logo here none of the colors match just everything's out of alignment um so i think realizing what your strength is realizing where your audience is and honing in on that like where can you make the most impact it's easy people are out here buying followers and they're looking like they have influence but really if you're not creating an impact for the audience that you want to reach then all of that is just fluff and it's not going to go into numbers Plenty of people have hundreds of thousands of followers. That does not convert into money in their pocket. And so I kind of realized that when I was trying to figure out, trying to do all of the things and be everything to everyone. And it was like, no, I had to narrow, get narrow, laser focused on what my goal is, who I want to help, and who I want to make an impact on in business. And that's who I focus on. So I think start with one and then you can build and you can add on to it. But trying to do everything, you're going to spread yourself thin and you're going to come up looking short. Right, right. And that's just a continuation from last week about, you know, trusting the process and taking time. And, you know, it people can provide tips and tools to get you there, but there's still no shortcuts. Right, the, right. The, the work, the effort, everything has to be put in. So thank you for that. We appreciate that. Um, consistency and, you know, going into, like, making the sale and converting. Like, is there a process you go to? Do you wait and see, like, um, you know, you interview the person and see if the project's for you before you go into, you know, putting too much, I guess, time or energy into it? Or how does your typical... My process is basically, it starts with, it, it depends on how you find me, but typically if you find me on my website, you'll fill out a little form that says you're interested. It puts you into my leads. I have a great CRM. It's the software that I use to manage my clients and my leads. Um, I kind of take a second to go research that person before I even schedule, you know, the call. Um, I like to have like a little coffee chat or, you know, consulting phone call to kind of get to know what they're looking for to see if I can even meet what they're looking for. So if they're like, yeah, we have 50 employees and we want, you know, 30 pages and we want the turnaround time to be two weeks, that's not actually my process. And so if it doesn't match, then I either refer them on or I tell them, you know, this is based on what you told me, this is what I can create in this amount of time. Do you think, you know, is that something that we can move forward with? And then we start from there. Right. Now, is that different from your process, David, as far as when you get referrals? Do you kind of go through the same thing or how is that different or how is it parallel? Um, We do have our one-on-one, our in, just kind of our, our introduction. Talk about what I do, what they do, what they're looking for. And like she said before, really see if what we're talking about really aligns. From there, we go in and we just kind of create a strategy. We create a plan. We do the problem solving. Like, what's your biggest fear? What's keeping you up at night? What's the number one thing that you want to be able to do with this money? Most often, people will tell me, I just want it to grow. Okay, well, you know, that's cool. We, we can, and, and that sometimes, I don't know if that's what even comes up with you. It's like, I just want a website. I don't know what I want on the website. I just want a website. I just want to be able to create a presence. Um, so, you know, we have that conversation. And then we also look at what the budget is. Like, how much are we working with? What are the goals? Because a lot of times, people will have a lot of different gaps that they'll need to have filled in. So we have to be able to acknowledge how much is it going to actually cost you to get to where you're going and have that real heart-to-heart conversation. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people want to get rich overnight, and I'm like, that's not what I do. I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. I don't, that's definitely above $100 a month. But <laughs> <laughs> but it does help to be able to at least have that conversation to put them in a place of, now that you're talking with a professional, what your realistic goals are, and maybe they go back to the drawing board right. and figure out exactly what it is that refocus their ideas, their goals, their values, what's most important to them, and then come back with a plan of action. Okay. Um, then from there, you know, we work. Right. So when you get referrals, CD, I mean, yours is different because it deals more with the creative side of things. Mm-hmm. But is there a process you go, like, do you examine what a person wants before you just immediately demote, devote that mental energy and 
um, things like that? Or how does how does your process work? How does it parallel or contrast um, with? Basically, my process it's tell me what you're looking for as far as in a piece you want me to write. Okay. Like if you want me to write a biography for an artist, you need to tell me what you want me to say about that artist. But also, I need their discography or their history. That way, we can work it in and put it together the way you want it. And from there, I mean, it's a for me, it's a pretty easy process. If you let me know what uh, you want, I can write that up all day. It's not going to take me long, and I'm going to get it right back to you. So, there's so do you think that, now this is kind of a bit of a derailment, I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> do you feel like, as business owners or new business owners, people who are trying to figure out what they're wanting to do, they don't know what they want? Oh, yeah. There seems to be, I don't know, I mean, it, it's, you want to help them, and I don't want to say that they're hand-holding, mm-hmm. but it's not as though they truly did come with a objective that says, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. What's been your experience with that? I think the hardest part is when someone, they, they feel passionate about being entrepreneurs, but they don't have any strategy or any time put into their business development, their plan for what they want to do. And the hardest conversation is saying, actually, you're not ready to work with me. Okay. There's some stuff right. that you need to clear up and get, you know, together on in your business mm-hmm. so that when I create this, it's actually going to take your business to the next level versus, and I think that's what differentiates me from some other people. Some people will take just whatever you give them, they'll spit something out, but that's not actually going to give to that business. It's okay. not going to help them grow. Um, to me, it's actually stifling because now you set someone up with something that looks pretty. People can find them online. But there's no direction. So what is it actually that you're going to offer to them? So was this something initially that you've always been able to do? Or was it a struggle initially to just say that, be able to say that to a prospective client? Like, listen, it's kind of not where we're not meshing. Or... It's more of, um, I think the conversation doesn't even go that, hey, we can't work together because you don't have your ish together. It's more like, okay. <laughs> Hey, it's real. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, I noticed that you don't actually, you know, seem to be targeting any specific audience. And if you're talking to everyone, there's so much noise out there that you're actually not talking to anyone. So can you get back to me with this, 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 and this? And then it kind of puts it back in their court to say, ooh, okay, I do want this website. I do want this to happen. So I'm going to actually go back and figure this out. Or they'll real. I kind of help them realize it for themselves instead of just saying like. Hey, you're not you're not ready. Like you shouldn't even be serving clients yet because you're not clear on your direction. Right. Um. So it's not for it's not necessarily my place for me to tell them that in that manner. Um. Depending on what our rapport is, but I think just when you start asking certain questions, like you know, what are your brand colors? What is the you know, what are you trying to get people to do? And if they don't have a call to action already prepared, or they don't have any copy, it's like, oh, hey, you need a copywriter. You need to go talk to CT and see if he can help write you something up because there's no bio. So what do you want me to tell people about you? Right. I can't, I'm not going to just make up something. And my, ultimately, my name is attached to it. So okay. I want it to be of a certain quality. So we're going to get you up to that same quality minimum. Um, and whatever I can do to help refer to get those parts done. Mm-hmm. But that person is still in my pipeline. They're still part of my process, and I'm not giving up on them. And I would hope that, you know, I'm a beginner, you know, to some extent in my business and things that I haven't been able to scale to yet, I would hope that people would say, hey, once you have, you know, four people and you can take on a, a bigger project with a faster turnaround time, I want you to come back to me. Okay. That's the kind of you know, investment that I make into anybody who takes the time to seek me out and, you know. And that's a level of coaching. I mean, to really take them to the degree where you've got a passion, but you have no direction. And sometimes I think that's what other business owners need is somebody to give them some, some idea, not necessarily hold their hands or do the work for them, like you said, but absolutely create that structure where, yeah, we're, we're going to at least put you on the right path so you don't, I'm not just taking your money. So let me ask you this. And this is for anyone, do you think a lot of people, back to the executive versus entrepreneur, do you think a lot of people think they have that mindset, but feedback derails them? Like, I mean, I would appreciate something like that, like as far as, hey, I see what you're trying to do, but you need to get this, this, and this. You know, if someone would provide that, I mean, I would take, but some people, you know, it would just destroy them. But do you think people aren't mentally, I guess, 
focused or tough enough yet. I mean, because sure. I know how I felt in the beginning. And it was like everything that was said to me for feedback was taken personal. And I know I had to mm-hmm. grow out of that. That's something I've learned to grow out of. And, and, you know, it's not that they're telling you, no, it's not right now. Right. So that's kind of the way I've learned to take coaching. And even even bad, you know, people, negative criticism, you still use it, you know, for you know, to build yourself up. It's like eating fish. You can pick some parts out, eat what's for you, and throw the rest out. And I think the difference is in respect to you having multi-level marketing, you know, there there's kind of already a structure there, and they've tested what works and things of that nature. Um, I think it's a little different for, like, CT doing a copywriting business to be able to come out and say, you know, we talked about the archetypes, figuring mm-hmm. out who his clientele is, what kind of message that they want to have, they want to hear, um, really just kind of creating a structure that speaks to that every man that would be his ideal client. Right. So, you know, at that point, yeah, I mean, I think it's a much bigger deal for him. You would probably say, all right, well, then I'll just push your website or whatever. And when when the opportunity came back for, okay, well, I can do some more creative things and I can take it to another level, that's great. But you don't lose any ability to work in the meanwhile. What I see with some business owners is if they're trying to figure out what their color scheme is or they're trying to come up with their vision plan or they're trying to come up with all of that, then they are not doing any work. Like mm-hmm. I have been in that place where I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know what my colors need to be. I don't know um, who's my target market. You know, I may work with a bunch of people because I came out the gate and was working with a bunch of people. It wasn't until I sat down and looked at my book of business and said, who are the clients I like working with? Who am I most effective with? Um, That really helped me to be able to identify, this is my target market. These Mm -hmm. are the people that I should speak to. These are the messages that I should continue to promote. And then everybody else who sees that it happens to fall outside of that particular demographic, right. then I think they, they still resonate with it to a degree. But as long as I keep my message consistent, that this is my target audience, this is the way I want to talk, I'm, I want to be as real and transparent and, and plain in my language. I mean, there's other financial advisors who you know, want to talk over your head and make you feel like you're stupid. And it's like, okay, well, just give them my money because I don't know what you're talking about. That's, that's not my mode of operation. Right. So, you know, it would be something much different for CT meaning that I've been through that process and trying to figure out, you know, what do you even call your business? Right. Giving it a name that truly is easy to spell, easy to find, mm-hmm. easy, you know, for everybody. I don't know. Those are that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean just listening to, to Coy, just like, you know, color scheme, you know, mission statement. Do you have these things? Or are you just, you know, and even what you said about the noise, like, okay, since you haven't targeted a market, you know, you're just going to throw some whatever out there and hope you can. I mean, so it makes sense. It gives me, you know, things to think about in my own purpose, getting that business that we talked about off air, off the ground and going through the business plan. Are you ready? You know, is, are these the things you want to talk about? So that's, that's great. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, so we're going to slide over into CT segment. He's got some uh, news and society things we're going to He's going to open up the floor and, oh. and give us something to, to chew on here. So go ahead, CT. All right. So today, we've got two topics that we want to discuss. Uh, first topic that we're going to talk about is Meek Mills, a case that he's been fighting for years now. Finally got tossed out of the system. Uh, he had a judge basically, in my opinion, that had a vendetta against him and did not want to see him thrive after he's changed his ways. Um, the case probably won't get retried, and that's a good thing. But the conversation I want to have today on this topic is what are the steps that we as a people can take to try to get this process as far as pre- prison reform, the judicial system, what can we do to try to stop events like this from happening? Because there are a lot of people in prison right now that are not Meek Mills, who don't have the financial backing to get themselves out of situations over things that 
either they didn't do or it's more severe of a punishment than it deserves. So what are your ideas on what we can do as far as prison reform? Get a lawyer. Get a lawyer. Get a lawyer. Get a lawyer. I mean, what I see is so often that people do not get lawyers. They go with the public defenders. They, um, you know, they take whatever plea offer that's put out there and they never really have a lawyer to talk to. Yes, it's expensive, but so is, you know, five to seven years of your life. Right. So, you know, it to me, it comes back to, you know, have that emergency fund, have your investments, have some money stuck off to the side because, God forbid, if you need to have a lawyer to go in there, you go ahead and get a lawyer. Right. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, you got to be able to spend $20,000 on a lawyer, but you should at least have a consultation and get somebody in to say, Let's kind of at least look at what this is. Because you can get that consultation much cheaper than actually paying for a trial. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can be able to determine what the law is, maybe doing some research, but understanding and being honest and transparent with that attorney so we can get to the place and say, okay, well, no, what you did was kind of messed up and you, you're going to have to go ahead and take, give you a plea deal, take the two years. Then that makes sense, if getting that from a professional versus having people who have never, I mean, of course, what was the movie that just came out? Um, when They See Us? Is that it? I don't know. I'm asking. I don't know. Which, what was that movie about? The, the Kids in New York? Yes, yes, yes. I don't watch TV. I don't watch TV. <laughs> but I know the movie existed. Okay, so that was stupid for me to even bring it up yeah. and not know that. <laughs> it's okay. But in the respect, I mean, they nobody went and really got lawyers to talk to the kids that are trying to, so, I mean, it was just like, Foolishness, right. and that's still happening to this day. Right. You know, I mean, we're mm -hmm. not seeking professional advice, so that's my take on it. I don't know. My first thought is to really invest in grassroots organizations that are already doing this work. There mm -hmm. are, I think, it's a lot. A lot of people don't get involved because they feel like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. The prison system has been in existence for however long. How are we really going to reform it? Is reforming it even the answer or do we need to abolish prisons? That's a whole different conversation that we're probably not ready to have right now on this podcast at this moment. <laughs> uh, but I feel like there's so many groups out there that are really pushing for this that have, mm -hmm. have studies behind it. Have, sure. You know, we have our black lawyers. We have, I mean, there are different collectives that are, um, you know, investing all their time energy um, and efforts into changing the system that really just is it's just messed up and it has been for a long time and I think mm -hmm. to ignore the fact that there's this cradle to prison pipeline that tries to push us into the system from the moment we are born all the way up until you know our death ultimately yes right I think to ignore that is yeah right but that's, that's my first thought to invest in the grassroots organizations that are already doing the work to push for it mm -hmm. and just the you know Piggyback off that, like, I think we should understand that no role is too small. I mean, pound out a letter, you know, if they need some groundwork done, if they need something done, and you can volunteer your time, you know, time, energy, and effort, I think, are three things people don't consider investment. So sure. that's something by doing that research and learning about these organizations, it's like, you know, it's easy for me to read a post on Facebook and comment about it, but if I can actually do something that's within my power to do because we all have commitments. But I think that's something in your arena of, we all say broadly, giving back. Sure. Maybe you focus that. Just like you did when you started your business, you focus, okay, what area am I going to give back in? So that's something that may be able to help get some the ball rolling because right. if the expert can go on doing what they need to do and you can take care of the low-hanging fruit, then it becomes a more effective process because they can focus on, you know, the real big nuts and bolts of it to get it going, then you just help push out the finished product. So that would be a suggestion I have. Another thing that I feel that needs to be done is because we have all of these repeat offenders for these petty crimes and different things. You have the people that are these drug dealers that once they get out, they go back to it because for one, that's all they know. But to two, they are used to a certain lifestyle of things, having money. Well, we have to have something in place that's going to help them as far as teaching them another skill. Uh, because if you're not putting that out there or not helping someone learn that, learn something different, then it's going to keep repeating itself. 
in the cycle. And it doesn't, I per se, have to start with people that are already in prison and going through that. That's great. We do have to start that. But this needs to start before they even get to that point. Sure. We have to start. I think that's the biggest thing we have to, as far as reform, we have to reform the way we deal with our people uh, and try to figure out ways of deterring them from the different paths that they may have in front of them. Because it's tough out there, but you need somebody or you need these groups that are going to show them that there is something different out there. And even for the ones, if they're a first offender, that's when it has to happen too. Because you have these first offenders that you can catch and get before they get too deep into it. But if you don't have the programs or things in place, it's just not going to happen. So those are my thoughts on that. And so that's one subject down on my segment. You sound like the count. Count down on the one. One segment though. All right. And then part two of this is, this is going on about our history as black people. We've been through a lot as a people. Um, And as of late, we've been getting these stories that are giving our history uh, and teaching us and everyone else about our history. Well, I was watching one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Righteous and Ratchet. If you don't watch it, check it out. Kev on stage, Doughboy. Very funny show, but they touch on a lot of great subjects. And one of the subjects they were talking about are these movies that are being produced about black history. If we should have these movies or if we shouldn't. One part, you have people, uh, you have one person that says, No, they're tired of seeing these movies. The reason they're tired of it is the light that it depicts our people in. Two, you have a side that says we need these because it's educating us on our history and what we've been through and letting our people know what we've been through and letting other people know this is what happened to our people and understand the depth of how this is still part of us up until this day. So my question to the table is, do you feel that these movies are needed? Yes or no, and give your reason why. If not, or if so, explain it to the people. Who wants to go first? Why you look at me first? <laughs> That's the one I know. Place your face to the left. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, let me see. Um. I think the movies have benefit. I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna watch it. I'm, I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm probably not gonna watch it. If I do watch it, it might be three years from now. Mm-hmm. It's still a whole bunch of other popular movies and things out there that I'm just like, eh, it's, it's not going to be that impactful for me. I think it's beneficial for the education standpoint, for maybe young kids to be able to see it in a different light or be able to bring it to a reality. That may be the way that they learn. I mean, we've heard the stories, we read the books. So, you know, as far as the movies, they're going to keep making movies. I mean, they make B-movies and horrible movies all the time, every day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact of it's really going to be a person's, a personal choice, whether or not they're going to watch the movie. Right. I, I, I think it's good to make it, and I hope they hear me when I tell them. I'm probably going to watch it three years from now. I'm not going to pay the dime for it. I'm going to get it on <laughs> Netflix or whatever the case. But, you know, it's just, that's just me personally. Okay. I am so torn on this topic because I am so tired. <laughs> I mean, I am just so tired of seeing, it's like, I don't want to use that word, but watching our people suffer over and over is almost like re-traumatizing. Over mm-hmm. here. Um, uh-huh. So, just like FUBU, you know, because it was forced by us, I think there needs to be, like, we talk about black education and history lessons and all that. I think there needs to be something that's for us by us that doesn't necessarily have to trigger us the way that some of these movies do mm-hmm. i think it should be required viewing for people who are not us uh that's who needs to see it they you know mm-hmm. um to, but but even that i still struggle because it's like well they become desensitized to it because it's almost not real it's a movie it mm-hmm. happened so long ago they don't connect it to what's happening now so i think it really depends on the container in which something is being offered. If, is there a way to go back and have a discussion after that's going to help them connect just like that happened then 
This mm-hmm. is what was caused because of it, and this is what we're dealing with now. So right. unless that connection can be made, am I going to go see it? No. No. I Will I watch it on Netflix in a few years? Probably. No later. Yeah. But not right now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And you bring a valid point. The emotional trauma, I mean, we as black people, we're just emotional already. So you get to watching, what was the name of that movie again? When They See Us. Okay. And I was <laughs> my, watching my timeline. Again, you know, I, I, I hardly watched it. I think I watched right. the first half of the first episode. Seriously. But <laughs> I could read the articles. I could read that. Actually, that's much quicker and it's easier to digest because if you sit there and I'm watching my timeline and everybody is just getting emotional and crying right. and screaming and want to go to work and cuss people out. If you're not built for that type of trauma, then you should not do it. And right. You should not do it just because society or popular culture makes you feel like you're supposed to because everybody else is doing it. Right. That's literally jumping off a bridge, especially if you don't have the mental capacity or you deal with anxiety or depression or mental health problems. Yeah, I, I don't suggest that. Right, and being that it's coming from Hollywood, you know, it, it, they take certain liberties anyhow. You know, um, books... Fake news. Oh, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> books have had, a, you know, a far greater impact on on realizing you know again i know it helped me as a younger person to realize what you know right past your grandmother's grandparents generation what they went through what it was even listening to my dad say you know walking the street they walked to to go to the boys club having rocks thrown at them you know couldn't even travel in peace and things like that um but to say that, you know, if there was an educational purpose, if they were going to correlate it, mm-hmm. like, hey, this is how far behind, you know, we were, what we went through. And remember, this just happened 50 years ago as far as the right. civil rights. So don't tell us, you know, things are even now, you know, and it's if it's for that purpose, mm-hmm. great. But we know it's not going to be, you know, I just have to be, you know, transparent about it. You know, it's not going to be for that purpose. And what will people really get out of it. Um, oh, it well, the funny part of it is, it's happening right now. With mm-hmm. everything, with all these people who are in these entertainment centers and things of that nature, if we really look at it, and it's strange that we ignore that, that's happening in our own lifetime. Right. The people who are our own backyard, like, lip, yeah. in, but will pay money to Hollywood to see something that happened right. 200 years ago. Or if those were dogs at the border in cages. Yeah. There would be an absolute upheaval. That's very true. That's yeah. very true. That's where it's you know like you made a great point. Desensitized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not happening on my block, so big deal. Which means are I they doing it for the dollars? Are they is Hollywood doing this for the dollars, or are they doing it so they can actually help and educate people? I mean, you can give it a nice little spin and say mm-hmm. right. And you gotta think their their job is just like the media to to provoke a reaction. Mm-hmm. They whether it's positive or negative, they still win because they you know people are gonna talk. Oh, you gotta see this one part. Oh, you gotta do this or mm-hmm. you gotta do that. And it's like, no, I don't. I don't really need to do that. I, I just you know I I think it's more impactful. You know if people are gonna require you know if it's gonna be required, why, let's have a discussion after it. And sure, because so, it helps identify people. Do you think it would be better if movies of this caliber? are made to where it can be put like in a school setting to where it's used for school purposes instead of trying to make money in big Hollywood to where it's more of an educational because when it comes to our history it's not really taught well they teach they teach what you they want you to know bingo they don't teach you all the other stories outside of Martin Luther King uh, sometimes you get Malcolm X uh, some some of these other people, uh, you know, you get the artists uh, that um, come along with that, uh, Langston Hughes, you know, Maya Angelou. You get those stories, but, and they don't get me wrong, those people are important to our history. They're also important because they played a, a part in the Civil Rights Movement. But all these other stories about the Black Panther Party and things of that nature, we've had those movies and they've had them in the box office, but maybe... It's better to have them where it's an educational format, to where it's used that way instead of trying to gain money off of it. Even though we know that probably won't happen, maybe that's a an extent or an extension that can be used instead of putting it in theaters. 
Well, yeah, I'd go mm-hmm. ahead. You can go ahead. I'm, <laughs> under the current administration, absolutely <laughs> H-E double hockey stick, no. Right. That uh, is why I'm homeschooled. And that that's another thing there you that go. It, it does, to that end, it, it does um, fall at our feet. You know, if if our children don't know, then it's, you know, sure. our fault. It does. It's like the home. It's not going to be, you know, oh, well, why aren't they doing this? You know, we've all seen the post about forget Algebra 2 and all this. Why don't they teach financial planning and all this in high school? Well, it's like, well, what are you teaching your kids as they grow up in your house? Right. My kids are learning how to manage money now, mm-hmm. and they're getting more responsibility as they get older. It's not, you know, you can't expect the school, because if you expect the school to do everything, they're going to do it the way they want to do it. Right. So saying that to say if they put it in education, it will be modified to the point where it still will be ineffective mm-hmm. until people are ready to have that dialogue yeah. about how screwed up things were and are then nothing else is going to change. It's like, you know, don't waste the energy arguing with people on social media. You know, they're set in their beliefs. It's not going to change. It's something, you know, you hope and pray by the time your grandchildren are adults that it's somewhat mellowed out. You just have to hold out that hope. But because, believe it or not, more and more conversation is happening. When we were doing outreach the other week, I wore that the Mamie Till shirt. It says, expose them. Mm-hmm. And one guy was like, who's Mamie Till? Had a chance to talk to him about the whole, and you could see the countenance on his face change. Maybe I impacted his day. Maybe I impacted his life. But another guy was like, you're right. Expose them all. And these were people you wouldn't expect to mm-hmm. even know what it meant. He was like, you're right. Expose them all. So it's, it is changing a lot slower than we expect it to. But imagine the people that were living it. Right. When it first started. Sure. You know what I mean? So <coughs> people have to be willing to to delve into that. I think you would get more out of the books. I think you would get more because take a movie like Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. And there was an article that came out <coughs> a few years ago like that hardly any of that was accurate. I saw mm-hmm. that article. So, I mean, why would you leave it up to them anyway? What could you trust out of that, you know? But that's just a little sorry to go off on that tangent. No, no you're good. No. That's what it's for. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that's what it's for. That's what it's for. But I know one of the biggest things. I mean, I think we as people have to get out of. Well, I'm just gonna pray about it and it's gonna be okay. Right. No, right. we there is something that each and every one of us can do. Like you said, you can write a letter, you can read a book, you can teach a person. Uh, teach a kid or tell a story individually mm-hmm. you can you know be i mean there's even degrees where people share a post being able to show it was at one point where we were getting more black education black history education on social media and facebook than we were getting in the school system yeah and, you know that was some people's only access to information and youtube videos and tools mm-hmm. and things so you know everybody has a part everybody is proactive and i think that that's going to help to resolve the situation we definitely there's, I mean, I absolutely believe in prayer. I'm saying pray for the direction and say, well, show me what I need to be doing so mm-hmm. I can help somebody else. But, you know. That effort has to be put into it. Yeah. I mean, if you if we want to see the results, we are all going to have to put our little seasoning in the pot. Right. We definitely got to be able to put something in the pot, something that's challengeable, that's um, a talent that we've all been given. Mm-hmm. Each, we talk about the parable of the three talents. Everybody has a talent, and not in the respect of you got five coins, two coins, or one coin. All of us have a talent, mm-hmm. and we cannot bury it. We have to be able to figure out how to develop it, how to use it, to be able to see how we can benefit one another. That's what we're giving it for, so we can expand it and grow and help somebody else. So I would highly just recommend everybody taking into consideration. You know, what what is my gift? What is my spiritual gift? Is and that, it administration? Is it preaching? Is it what is it? That goes into the uh, reform that CT was talking about earlier. You know, right. maybe we can get to that age because that 11, 12, 13, that's when you really start getting away from your parents. They're not a part of every single decision you make. Mm-hmm. And they're relying on you to use your upbringing, but still it's up to you ultimately to make that decision. And if you could be that positive influence on somebody's life, if you could just be that person that just you know and sorry for people that don't like it 
children like to text. Mm -hmm. If you could send a kid a text, man, hey, knock it out of the park today. Just boom. You don't know what that would do. They talk about that. The first three minutes when a child wakes up and the last three minutes before they go to bed could have such an impact on them if you just mm -hmm. plant that seed. That's not doing anything major. You're on your phone anyway. Right. You know, everybody always has it. Find you some kids to mentor. Mm -hmm. Find you some to actually be there. Put time into what they I didn't realize how impactful it was until I started coaching. Mm -hmm. And now that my son's older, like, I'm probably going to go back into it because there's still other children to help. And back to the reform, maybe you can reform people's mindsets, you know, to not even venture down that path. Like, I've got so much going for me. I can't risk my future to do that. I mean, that's not back to the reform part that you were talking about. I mean, we, there's no small role. Everybody can have a huge impact on people. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you got to be willing to plant that seed and not expect fruit tomorrow. Hey, that's and, true. That's absolutely true. And, you know, I've learned, I made some mistakes, you know, but parenting and mentoring, you know, kids aren't little adults. You know, you have to understand that and, and grow with them, you know, and that's the exciting part when you do see the fruit, you know, you do hold out hope that the next generation is going to be better. You know, yeah. you keep pushing them, they'll get farther, they'll get things done, but say that, say, like I said, there's no small role, and I think we should all, you know, just thinking back and all of yours, do our part to, mm -hmm. um, you know, protect this generation, and that's kind of you know, going into this last part about, you know, protection. We protect ourselves as consumers, as individuals, and, you know, looking into that, protecting ourselves as, as business owners. You know, you want somebody you can bring into your business that maybe you cultivate a relationship and you're able to teach them the business. And that Absolutely. goes to legacy, where your business goes on 40, 50 years after you're dead. Certainly, certainly. No. That's the goal. I mean, you think about it, you know, even, I, I'm trying to think of, um, I'm trying to think of a company just off the top of my head. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. Gotta be some. What's that? A legacy company. That's been around forever. I mean, just out of their last name. Oh, um, Mayfield? Mayfield? Johnson & Johnson? Mayfield? Johnson & Johnson? They're still run by the family? As far as I know, yes. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. I have to do some research on that. Yeah, I'd like definitely to something some to look into. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, because there clearly are companies mm -hmm. that have that kind of long standing where you groom them up into the business and you just keep pushing it on. And Mayfield, I could probably definitely see that, you know. Right. Not just keeping the company name. I was originally thinking about McDonald's, but of course, if you watch The Founder, now that was a good movie. I watched that when it came out. It was an amazing <laughs> movie. But in the respect of the, the founder, you know, the company, the family who actually created that, they ended up getting bought out by another individual, Ray Kroc, or the McDonald's Corporation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that definitely isn't the best example, and that's not what you want. You want to be able to have a business that will continue to grow and build and prosper and go down from mm -hmm. that legacy um, timeline. And it's so funny because, you know, I always think about the Rockefellers being one of the wealthiest families in the world. And even with the Koch brothers, the Koch brothers don't necessarily work a business. Right. They they have their hand in managing a lot of different businesses, but it wasn't the family business. Because the dad, I believe, was a nuclear engineer or something that worked in Russia, where he made all his money and then, of course, left it to his kids. But his kids... They did use it for different purposes. I'll tell you somebody who is impressing me so much right now, which is Jaden Smith. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in the respect of, you know, his course came from money. His parents did well long before he came along. Um, and when they were kids, we always used to say, oh, those kids are crazy. They got crazy color hair and mm -hmm. they're going to be, oh, they're going to be all over the place. But they have actually grown to be some phenomenal young adults and starting their own brands, carrying their own business. Mm -hmm. Apparently, uh, my daughter was telling me the other day that Jaden is doing some little mobile houses for the homeless. I know about the water thing in Flint, yeah. but now as he's taking that out, well, there's the food trucks, and of course he's doing the food trucks for the homeless. That. But then there was also, now there's supposed to be some mobile homes that are supposed to should look like dog houses. 
but they were transportable and they were really nice on the inside, but it gave them shelter from the elements. Like tiny homes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and it was portable. That was the thing that was like crazy. It was like you put them on a wheelbarrow, what the heck happened to them? But the reality of it is, I was explaining to my daughter, he didn't have to go to work. Right. And struggle and do what somebody else told him to do for 40 hours a week or 80 hours a week or whatever the case. He really had the luxury of money to be able to say, this is the world's problems. How can I solve the world's problems? What can I do? Who do I know? Network, mm-hmm. leveraging, being able to come up with some ideas and strategies that will allow him to actually implement a plan because he didn't have to worry about a utility bill like we do. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to worry about a car note. He didn't have to worry about that. You know, all these other different factors. He was able to stay focused on the path that he needed to go into. Um, so that's not exactly the same type of legacy story, but it definitely is a wonderful legacy story. So, right. you know, everybody knows I sell life insurance and I go back to say, don't, don't tell me that you only want to leave $10,000 enough to bury you. Now make sure that you, you know, considering leaving a hundred, a couple hundred thousand dollars for your kids. So maybe they don't have to stress right. going forward and be able to figure out how they can stay focused, how they can emotionally heal, and how they can, even the Rockefeller family, they the Rockefeller family did not run business. Their father, grandfather, ran the oil and gas business. It got busted up by the monopolies, so that's now Exxon, Chevron, and all this other stuff. The family got the stocks. The stocks ended up going into the trust, but of that, they, they still run different charities. They still donate. And they help society as a whole. Mm-hmm. That's almost the level of their business. So contributing to gas grassroots or colleges and different organizations. I mean, that's also part of the legacy. Right, right. So, and maintaining and protection. Uh, Cole, you had spoken about like integrity. Do you have any like first-hand stories where people like sacrifice their integrity for mm. like a moment of of Greatness or ooh, um, you know be lying. <laughs> name name. No, no, name no. name. Just, just the story on him. If you have one. Are we name. thinking big public names or are we thinking about small things? Just that anyone that's made an impact. Like you say, I will never do. Yeah. Okay. So I am um, involved in a number of Facebook communities, and um, that's where I kind of see where potential clients might be. And not too long ago, I'd say a few months ago, I kind of came across what I found out to be was like a scam where um, a coach is offering to teach another coach how to coach. And that form of coaching is to teach another coach how to coach. And Uh there's not actually anyone running a business, a substantial business behind it. And so, and I think Gary Vaynerchuk made a video recently that that was saying like there is no such thing as passive income. It takes work to make something. Right. And the people that are getting over are the ones that are selling these three thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollar coaching courses. Mm-hmm. But there's not actually the only way that it runs is to continue to get aspiring business owners to buy into it so that they can then sell it to their audience but there's not actually something at the bottom of it it's really similar it's like the modern day pyramid scheme in the entrepreneurial world and that is something i would never ever do right there's my answer no that's uh you know you see these things where people have risked their careers or their you know their lives for just a moment of either glory or money or and that's something with protecting your legacy, you know, integrity is what are you doing when nobody's looking? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, are you, can we count on you to still be doing the same things? And I think that leads to so much more freedom, you know, to think about those problems. We talk about the financial burden, but when you're trying to keep up a, a lie or keep up, you know, something that you shouldn't be doing, now you you got a level of stress, so you can't perform to your best. So, I mean, I think acting with you know, intent, like you talk about all the time, and, and that, that's so poignant, because I used to be one of those people, I'm leaving enough for my kids to throw me in a hole and put some dirt on me, and it's up to them to figure it out. Those are things that have to change. Those are things that, you know, a lot of families have changed their legacy through that. Mm-hmm. You know, if if we can, you know, I love that video you posted a couple of weeks ago about, hey, let's get a million dollar policy on the matriarch or patriarch. Mm-hmm. And when that time comes, it may cost us all a hundred bucks a month. But 
what our family's legacy will be changed right. and will be through her Absolutely. as it should be so there's different forms of protection that you know we all and the big thing that was this week was the uh, equifax breach mm-hmm. you know that's something that like you can take all the and they're they're right nobody can prevent all forms of identity theft but you can't be so loose like you know in that sense you know, paying bills at a coffee shop or, you know, on unsecured networks or things like that, kind of, but one, you know, careless act could financially ruin you with the time that it would take to get everything back. So you have to be, I guess, careful with giving out information. And in that sense, when you have a, like, I guess when you're designing for a customer is more of an intellectual thing they have to worry about being stolen or like like your designs are they all you know unique to you no one can steal things you've come up with any design that i share i'll have the license to so there's not going to ever be an issue where someone can come back to them and say hey you're not actually able to use this because someone else made it that's not going to be a thing they come across and so that's something that i'm responsible for as a designer to make sure that anything that i give to them I've already downloaded the license. I have it available, and it's attached to each client file, so I can always go back and get it. Right, right. So, screenshotting and clipboarding can get you in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. So we we appreciate you. Well, appreciate you coming out, Corey. Uh, to everybody, you know, glad about the technical difficulties. We got them worked out. Still had a little bit at the end, but thank you all for being patient. We appreciate our audience. You can always check out the audio. We'll have it up this evening. And we'll share that out. Um, we're going to go around. Everybody just throw everybody out an encouraging word for the upcoming week. We, we appreciate everybody. And we're so glad to do this. We leave here in power. We hope we've encouraged you in some way. So, Coy, if you want to start us off with an encouraging word for the rest of the week. And uh, share your information one more time. Sure. Again, my name is Coy Kindred. You can find me online at KoyKindred.com. C-O-Y kind red k-i-n-d-r-e-d dot com and as you know my mantra is that you can live fully without sacrificing funds family or freedom that's my message very nice awesome awesome well um you know my my impactful empowering message this week so i had a good time because i was able to help a client hide about sixty thousand dollars away from the government Right. And that was really impactful to me because she got those funds as a life insurance proceed. And the beautiful thing about it is now she is still, still going to be able to qualify for FAFSA because she's still in college. Nice. So, you know, there are reasons and why we talk to professionals. We just can't just put money in the bank and assume that, well, if the money's sitting in the bank, then it's okay. No, the post I put up earlier, you can have emergency money in the bank and it would impact your child from being able to get financial aid through FAFSA. So, you know, I definitely want somebody to just take that and pass it along to somebody else because if they ever come into that situation, please have them to talk to a professional. Right. Um, and of course, if they need a professional to talk to, I'm David Jones and my website is IamWealthyNow.com, Life Vision Solutions. Please reach out to me, give me a shout on the website, on the Facebook page, we taught you how to be broke. And let's connect. I'm real easy and friendly to work with, and I definitely want to be able to see people who don't have access to a financial advisor be able to get the information and the help that they need to be successful. That's it. That's all. All right. And money, 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 Bigger, better things are out there. You just have to work hard for them. And even on those tough days, remember, you still have to look forward because you are not looking to go backwards to other things. You're not looking to fall back into bad patterns. You're looking to better yourself day by day by day. And the only way you're going to do that, it may be a small step, maybe a large step, but you got to take that step forward. Cool, cool, appreciate that. I just want to tell everybody out there that you are important. I know it's cliche, you know, we used to say all the time, I am somebody, but everybody is important. I mean, don't don't belittle your role in somebody else's life and your own life and the impact that you can have on others by doing one small positive thing a day. 
um, just a simple good morning text. You know, that means a lot to, to certain people. It may mean a lot to you. You know, don't be afraid to open up a dialogue to tell people, hey, if you don't hear from me, check on me every once in a while. I want everyone to know that you are important. Let's face it, we're all going through some issues, so we got to all be there for each other. Let's look out for each other like we used to. We haven't got these phones have kind of pushed us away from checking in on everybody. And, you know, I didn't want anything. It just came by. But we can use the phones, you know, to help rekindle those relationships and let's build those relationships back. And I think that's where we'll progress. But I say that to say this, you know, I'm looking out for your help. I solve problems. Check out brantley.mazija.com. We'll talk. Uh, if you need more information, get with us on the webpage. Look out for that audio. Thank you, Coy. Thank you, Davette. Thank you, CT, as always. Yeah. Everybody have a good night. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Awesome.